Let's pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the everlasting king. God, we thank you that uh, you are ruler of this world. God, we pray that you would be the ruler of our life as well. God, that you would captivate us. Uh, God, that, that all that we want and all that we seek and all that we would desire would be you. Uh, that the ever past, passing and fading glories of this world would dim in comparison to you. God, may you break our hearts. God, may you change our hearts that we would seek to know you above all. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, kind of like Nick shared a little bit last week, you know, I, I, uh, I have a confession as well. My name is Kyle. I'm an addict, okay? Unfortunately, this, this consumes probably a little too much of my life. Uh, my wife would probably attest to that. You know, we live in an age, wise living in a smart world, where, where everything really that we need is, is at our fingertips, isn't it? Right? You need to know how to do something. You pull up, go to YouTube. You got a video that can show you how to do it. You want to know an answer to something? You Google it, right? You want to connect with family or friends or acquaintances or whoever, I can simply go to Facebook and connect with people right now. I want news. I can turn on Twitter and I can get news instantly like that. It's all at my fingertips. Everything I need is right in front of me. And for me, well, that's a problem. That's an issue. Everything I need right in front of me. I also have a a pretty good friend here. Uh, Her name is Siri. I don't know if you know Siri at all. Siri's and I have become quite close. Siri can, I can ask Siri a, a series of questions. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? 42, that can't be right. Maybe. <laughs> Who is taller, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James? that LeBron James is slightly taller. Okay, good to know. Who's injured on the Yankees? Which Yankees? Utah's Wade. No, no. Yankees. Who's injured on the Yankees, Siri? The Yankees. Blue Jays game starts at 10. All right, all right forget, forget it, Siri. <laughs> Which is the best phone? Virtual assistants prefer the iPhone. Oh, thank you. All right. So Siri, it's nice I have a companion when I need one. Siri is right there for me. Well, we, we have a problem. We have a problem in the fact that we have everything we need right at our fingertips. Now, it's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the iPhone. There's nothing wrong with being able to get information. There's nothing wrong with being able to connect with people. But if you're like me, it can be an issue because it can consume my life desiring that news or desiring to connect with people, desiring for more of whatever that might be. We are going to talk this morning about this idea of contentment, contentment both with our time and contentment with our treasures. And there's a verse that sticks out to me in Proverbs 27:20. It says this, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Do you feel like that sometimes? 
right? With, with everything right in front of me, with all that I need, whether it be with my time or my treasures, everything I need is right there. And yet my eyes are never satisfied. So as we talk about this idea of contentment, or maybe for me, this idea of discontentment, there are two areas I want to look at, two areas of our life I want to look at. The first one deals with our time, contentment with our time. And the second one we're going to talk about here in a little bit is contentment with our treasures. Contentment with our time and contentment with our treasures. I would say this in opening is that if we would, we would evaluate our lives, take a serious look at our lives, and we'd ask ourselves, and maybe we take our calendar from the past week or the week to come, and if we look at where we spent our time, let me tell you this, where you spent your time, that's what's important to you. And I could tell you and you could tell me that, no, you know what, serving God, following God, reading his scriptures, meditating on the word, that's what's important to me. My family, spending time with my kids, that's what's important to me. My wife, spending time and, and being with her, that's what's important. But if we really want to know what's important to us, go look at where we spend our time. Go look at the things that we do with our time. I was uh, Tim's good friend, a guy by the name of Adam. He's a pastor out in Colorado, and he wrote a blog uh, a couple weeks ago, and Tim had sent it to me. And and in it, it it was talking about the busyness of life, that this idea that being busy and have a lot going on is almost like a badge of honor, right? Oh, yeah, I'm so busy. There's so much going on in my life. And I feel that way sometimes, that if there's things not going, oh, I got got to do something. I got to do something, right? All right, we have to be busy. And so he was looking at it and evaluating it for himself personally and just kind of looking at it as a whole. Are we really busy or are we just terrible in what we do with our time? And so here are some statistics that he had pulled up, and he pulled it up from a a New York Times article. But the first one dealt with social media. Maybe. Social media, average American spends three hours a day browsing social media, right? If you are between the age of 18 and 34, the average is four hours. Jake reminded me this morning I'm no longer in that age bracket and creeping up on 40. Thank you, Jake. Are we spending three hours to four hours a day on social media? We're talking things like Facebook, things like Twitter, Instagram. If you're like my dad, he loves Snapchat, spends most of his day on Snapchat. There are different avenues. The, the younger crowd gets that a little bit. So the, there are different avenues in which we can spend our time. On average, three hours a day on social media between 18 and 34, that number jumps up to four hours. Now, again, that, those things aren't bad, are they? I mean, Facebook is a great way for us to connect people. Twitter is a great source of information. Alan was was, uh, sharing with me this week, and I I don't like throwing people under the bus, but I'll do it anyway. Alan was talking about some of his struggles. And, you know, he says, well, on on Twitter, I've got this this idea if it's information discontent, that I want to be content. I want information right now, right? And I could be at work. I could be at home, and I'm sure he never does this, Lauren. I could be at home, but I want that information right now. And Twitter is a great source of that. I I love being able to go on Twitter and get that info right now. What's going on in the world news? What's going on in local news? What's going on with the cyclones? I can get that right now. But is it pulling me away from other things, right? Is it pulling me away from my family? Is it pulling me away from my work? Other things that I should be doing. 
information contentment. Facebook, same way. I, I, you know, Facebook's great. I can connect with people, right? You can go and Facebook's, I've, I've got friends on Facebook from around the world. I got friends on Facebook I was friends with in high school. Otherwise, I wouldn't connect with. Friends from college, I, otherwise, I wouldn't connect with. And it's great for that, that I can hang out with people, essentially, talk with people, interact with people. And it's a great avenue for that. But Facebook's also a place where I can go and I can become pretty discontent with my life. Well, look at, you know, their relationships that they have. We could look at marriages. Oh, look, man, I, I want a marriage like that, or I want to be married. We can see all these things, or, man, I'd love to go on a trip like that, or I'd love to have all the things that they have, right? And we can grow discontent with our own lives. Now, a couple things I would say on that. I think the best example of this was, I couldn't find the picture, but this guy was, uh, he was taking a picture of himself. I refuse to say selfie in a sermon. So he was taking a picture of himself, right? And in it, 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 you see in the background, there is this, this beautiful setting, right? And he said, hey, it's a beautiful night for a walk. And there's this beautiful setting. You can see the sun setting in the background. You're like, oh, man, this guy's on a walk. You know, he's out exercising. It's a great, beautiful evening that he's enjoying. He's got a great setting. Well, then what he had done is he cropped the picture. And if you see the larger picture, what's going on in the background, well, he had just crashed his car on the side of the road, and now he's walking to the nearest gas station you can find, Right? Because on Facebook, it's not always as good as it seems. I like this. I, I saw this one. May your life someday be as awesome as you pretended to be on Facebook. Most people's lives are, are not as great as we see on Facebook. But we, we're there. We're getting information. And we grow discontent with our own lives. We look at other people's lives, other things they're doing, relationships they have, time they're spending, treasures they have. And we grow discontent with our own. More statistics here. This talks about TV. Maybe some of you don't struggle with social media, but maybe TV is an issue. It says the average American spends five hours a day watching TV. Between the ages of 18 and 34, that number drops to three and a half hours. Right? Where are we spending our time? If I look and I see, okay, here's where I'm spending my time here or here or here, that's what's important to me. That's what a my priority in my life is. I know for me, I look at this picture, and most of the time I'm doing all four of those things at once. I got my computer. This is what happens when my kids go to bed. We put my kids to bed. I pull out my computer. I got my phone plugged into it. Uh, I've got the TV on, and we're sitting there, and it's really great for my marriage. And so we're sitting there doing all these things. I've got all this in front of me. Right? Sometimes we just need to unplug. Uh, there was an article uh, that Mike Johnson had sent me and Steve Jobs was in there and he was talking about his own kids and his own household. And in the article, it was talking about how, you know, I got a low-tech household. We're not bringing the iPads. Remember, Steve Jobs basically made Apple what it is. We're not bringing the, the iPad or all these things into the home. No, we're going to sit around the dining room table. We're going to talk about our day. We're going to talk about history. We're going to talk about culture. We're not going to bring that into my home. And here's a guy who made Apple what it is, and he's not bringing those things into his home. Disconnect and where we find our priorities, what's important. That same article, this is a guy named Chris Anderson. This article stated this. Chris Anderson, the former editor of Wired and now chief executive of 3D Robotics, a drone maker, has instituted time limits and parental controls on every device in his homes. Here's what he says. My kids accuse me and my wife of being fascists and overly concerned about tech. And they say that none of their friends have the same rules. 
he said of his five children, ages 6 to 17. Here's what he says. That's because we have seen the dangers of technology firsthand. I've seen it in myself, and I don't want to see it happen in my kids. The dangers he is referring to include exposure to harmful content like pornography, bullying from other kids, and perhaps, worst of all, becoming addicted to their devices just like their parents, right? That's my struggle. My struggle is being addicted to this thing. Maybe. We're talking about technology. If we can get it to work. Do you have access to flip? Okay, there we go. Okay. That's an iPhone. We got there eventually. All right, suspense. So this is, this is my problem, having this thing by my side all the time, right, addicted to it. I used to have that issue where I always thought my phone was buzzing, right? They, they say it's a real disease. But I used to have it on vibrate all the time, so I'm always reaching in my pocket. It's got to be vibrate. Vi- you know, all the time I think this thing's going off. So finally I realized, all right, shut the vibrator off. Don't use that thing anymore. Okay, so this thing always by my side. I called uh, AT&T, and I was talking to Mr. AT&T on the phone this week, and I, I asked him, sir, uh, I need you to break down my bill here a little bit. Okay, I wasn't worried about the amount of money I spent. I knew I had spent that much. But I want to know how much text messages I had sent. How many text messages I sent. So he helped me break it down. And uh, we, we went through the list. And uh, we, got, we got through a few text messages here. And I think there's, yeah, it's still going. Yeah. So this is last month. Uh, last month I've got uh, 1,835 text messages. Well, don't judge me. Come on. 1,835 text messages, like, at first I'm like, he's like, whoa, that's, that's a lot. But he says, oh, don't worry, there's people worse than you. <laughs> that makes me feel better about myself. Now, I have to use this for more than just interaction with people. This is part of my job is that people contact me, questions, those type of things, a lot of other things as well. But this is obviously a struggle for me, right? Something that has replaced my time, something that has captured my time, something that has taken me away for my work, something that's taken me away from my family. I was talking to my wife last weekend, so I got to unplug. You know, I get home, that thing's going into the bedroom, and I'm not going to mess with it. Well, until the kids go to bed, then we'll pull back out. But not going to mess with it again tonight, right? Put that thing away. I, I have lied to myself, I think, probably for several years that, you know, I'm going to miss a call. It's going to cost me money, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da. And reality is that probably not the case. And maybe I do miss that one important call a year. How much is worth the time I've missed with family, time I've missed with wife, right? Where I spend my time, what I spend my time, energy, those type of things, well, that, that's what's important to you. That's where your life is. See, here's the math on that. All right, the first thing, there's 160 hour, eight hours in a week. Now, you do the math here. If I do these hours, that, the statistics that I pull, we got 45 hours of working and commute. We got 56 hours of sleeping, okay, 46 hours of TV and social media. I took the low end of that. All right, low on, all right, so the total on this is 147 hours. That leaves me 21 hours a week for getting ready for eating, family time, church, Awana, small group, kids, sporting events, yard work, scripture, prayer, etc. Three hours a day. Three hours a day after I spend all that time. Do we have an issue with our time? Don't we? Of where we spend our time, if that's what I have left, For the rest of my week, contentment with our time. The eyes of men are never satisfied. Tim Keller said this in his uh, book, Counterfeit Gods. He says, here's what an idol is. An idol is anything that is more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. 
anything, you seek to give what only God can give you. Right? Where do I spend my time? What are the things I'm doing? Because that, my friends, that's my idol. That's what is the Lord of my life. And we want to examine our lives. Where do we spend our time? Where do we spend our energy? What are the things that we are dwelling and thinking about? What are the things that absorb my heart and my imagination? Now, fortunately, there's a solution. And the solution is, Romans 12 tells us this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. What are the patterns of this world? People spend how many hours a week social media? How many hours a week with TV? Do not be conformed, but instead to renew my mind. Where I spend my time, the things I dwell on, the things I do, renewing my mind. What does that look like to renew my mind? Philippians 4.8 tells me this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do you want to renew your mind? Do you want to give yourself a, it literally means a new mind, a new mind. See, when Paul tells us that, this is something that just doesn't happen naturally. It just doesn't happen like, oh, I wake up, all right, I'm going to get into the Bible, I'm going to read scripture, my, my mind's going to be new, all this. It, it's effort. It takes some work to renew your mind. What do we do with it? These are the things that we want to dwell on. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. Think about these things. Dwell on these things. And as we talk about contentment, you look at Philippians 4.12, Paul says this, I know that what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Learn the secret of contentment. Well, how? How did Paul learn the secret of contentment? Well, he learned it because his mind has been renewed. He has thought on whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is admirable. He's dwelled on these things. God has given us his word, his word to study, his word to meditate on, his word to know his word, to, to spend time and commune with him, to pray to him, that our mind might be renewed. If we no longer want to conform to the patterns of this world, we must have a new mind. And that doesn't come naturally, and it does not come easy. It comes from spending time with him, spending time in his word, spending time in meditation upon his word, spending time in prayer. One of the things we've done as we've encouraged you, next slide please, Next, one of the things we've done is we've encouraged you to do this Proverbs challenge. Now, this is not the answer, this is not the final solution to how we begin to renew our mind. But we can begin to develop habits to do that. See, to renew my mind means that on a daily basis I need to wake up and I need to commit to this. Paul, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 that he disciplines himself. He tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says, train yourself to be godly. We don't naturally wake up every day and say, you know what, this is what I'm going to do, let's get on it. It takes discipline and training. And one of the things we've encouraged you to do, and if you haven't started yet, we encourage you, start, start today. 
But this is the Proverbs challenge, that every day for 31 days we are going to read a Proverbs. Norb told me one time, Norb said it has to be true, but it takes 30 days to develop a habit. 30 days to develop a habit. Well, can we develop habits now? Something simple, reading a proverb today, a day, we could begin to develop habits of renewing our mind, to get in patterns of every morning when I wake up or at some point during the day, I'm reading scripture, I'm meditating on scripture, I'm studying scripture, I'm renewing my mind. Man, what a great place for you to start if you don't have a plan in place to develop those habits, to renew our mind, to win back, to win back our mind. Time. Contentment with our time. The eyes of man are never satisfied. The next thing we're going to talk about is our treasures. Contentment with our treasures. Now, I got a box up here. You see this box right here? Now, this box has to be pretty important to me. I brought this box from my house in Beaverdale and moved it to my house in Johnston. So it has to be important. When I moved to Ankeny, you know what I did with this box? I brought it with me to Ankeny. You know where this box has been for the last four and a half years since I've been in Ankeny? Well, it's still taped up for the last 10 years. So it has to be important. I have no idea what's in there, but it has to be important. It's been with me, and I made three moves, and it stayed like that for 10 years. So it has to be, right? Contentment. with my. Anybody got a box like that at your house? Yeah? <laughs> I got about 50 of them. Half of them are in my mom's basement now. But, you know, contentment. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Do we have an issue with treasures, right? Do we have an issues with stuff? Maybe, maybe I'm alone in this. I don't think so. Not, not with what's going on in our country. Uh, next slide. I, I, I enjoy the housing industry. I think everybody should buy bigger houses than they have now that cost more money. Okay, so that's important. But I'll tell you this. In the last 50 years... Homes have tripled in size. They are three times larger than they were 50 years ago. So now we have more room, which is great because now we got more room for all this stuff we have. But that's kind of funny because you know what else has happened? $22 billion industry. $22 billion industry is the storage facilities and units. I'm driving around coming yesterday. And uh, didn't didn't take long. But I'm driving around coming yesterday. I was, I was performing, officiating a wedding out there. And as I'm driving through town, they had a huge storage unit over there. I'm like, they had to have three storage units for every house in that town. We have big homes. We have larger homes. And we got more stuff. We have more treasures than we know what to do with. We have an issue. Or maybe it's just me. I, I'm guessing it's not. Ken, I'm, Ken's with me at least. Thank you, Ken. All right, I'm glad I'm not alone. But we have, we have a problem. So you would think that all this more stuff would lead to happiness because, I mean, that's got to be true, right? If I got more and larger stuff, I've got to be happy. But we're not. Credit card debt in our country, the average household, 15,607 in credit card debt. America now, 880 billion in credit card debt. The average car loan, $16,769. The average student loan now, 
debt is now 32,656 in America over 1.1 trillion in student loans. So now we got all this money we've spent on all this stuff. Doesn't lead to happiness either. Suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death in the US and there's one every 13.3 minutes. In the last 45 years they've increased by 60%. And there's one and only 10 to 25 are actually successful. Do we have more happiness? We have an epidemic. I was reading in this, this book, Counterfeit Gods, and, and, and Tim Keller was saying that in the most developed countries in the world, we have the highest suicide rates per capita. And he was sharing stories. This is from 2008, Global Economic Crisis. Here's what it says. Acting Chief Financial Officer Freddie Mac hanged himself. Chief executive Sheldon Good, a leading real estate auction firm, shot himself. French money manager who invested the wealth of many Europe's royal and leading families, lost $1.4 billion of his clients' money in Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, scheme slit his wrist. A Danish super, a senior executive HSBC hanged himself. A Bear Stearns executive learned that he would not be hired by J.P. Morgan Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, which had bought his firm. He took a drug overdose and leapt from the 29th floor of his office. A friend said the acquisition had broke his spirit. More stuff, more treasures is not the answer, is it? It's not the answer for happiness. Alex Tocqueville recorded this in 1830 about our country. He said, a strange melancholy, melancholy haunts the inhabitants in the midst of abundance. We have all kinds of stuff. We have all kinds of treasures but not happiness. See, Americans thought, and we still think, that if we could have more, more treasures, then we can find this happiness. Tocqueville also noticed this. He added, this is a false hope, because the incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. All the treasures, all the money, all the wealth of this world, the incomplete joys will never satisfy the human heart will they? We know that. We know it. Here's the problem. We have taken good things and we've made them ultimate things. M money in and of itself is not bad. Large houses in and of itself are not bad. Beauty is not bad. Position, power, not bad. But when we've taken good things, and this would even go with my family, my spouse, we've taken good things and we've made them the ultimate things in our life. What have we done? We've made them idols. We've made them the idols of our life. We've made them the most important things in our life. And when you read all those stories of what happened in 2008, you know what happened? They had made those things their ultimate things. And when we lose the ultimate thing, well, there's nowhere to turn. Nowhere to turn. But idols are more than just money, aren't they? More than just money. I, I've got another box up here. It's a box of probably some of the idols that many of you have. You know, we've, we've got the idol of, of work. I'd like to throw that in your yard if I could. Uh, we got the idol of work. For some, the idol of knowledge, knowing more, education can be an idol. Money. This is the last money, so nobody take this. Uh, this is, can be an idol, right? Wealth, to have more, more stuff, more things, so I can fill up my 
storage unit. Wealth. Alcohol. It can be an idol. Something we're addicted to. Something that rules our life. Beauty and health can be an idol. Possessions, like our car, stuff. Sports, I can catch. What? It's a, that thing, that's a stuffed ball. It's not a real football. <laughs> if we're ever got a flag football game in here, Rod is not on my team. Sports can be an idol. Even my love for Iowa State athletics can be an idol, right? Technology can be an idol. My, my wife wanted to make sure I threw my cell phone in there. They can be an idol. Even, even good things like family, like my kids, my wife, good things that I've made ultimate things. That's what an idol is. Good things we have made ultimate. So the question for us as we examine our lives is what's important? What is and are there idols in our life? In the book Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller also says this. He says, what are gods of beauty, power, money, and achievement? But these same things that have assumed mythic proportions in our individual lives and in our society. We may not physically kneel before the statue of Aphrodite, but many young women today are driven into depression and eating disorders by an obsessive concern over their body image. We may not actually burn incense to Artemis, but when money and career are raised to cosmic proportions, we perform a kind of child sacrifice neglecting family and community to achieve a higher place in business and gain more wealth and prestige, right? Idols, good things, in and of themselves, good things that we have made ultimate things. This we know is a hard issue. In Ezekiel 14, 3, talking nation of Israel. See, we get this picture in our mind that, that idols are just this you know, this is a statue that we're literally bowing down to. But idols are not a physical thing. Having idols in our life comes back to a heart issue. These men have set their idols in their heart. And when we talk about all these idols we have in our life, these aren't the issue, are they? The issue is what's going on with my heart? What's going on in my life? What is important? To me, these are the idols. They take the place of where God should be in our life. We've made good things, ultimate things. That Tim Keller quote again there says this, anything that is more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you, that is an idol. And so may we look and examine our lives and ask ourselves, what, what captures my heart? What absorbs my heart? What absorbs? What captures my imagination? What do I give more attention to time, treasures? What is more? Because what controls us, that's our idol. What controls us, that is what is the Lord of our life.
Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. It's where our treasures are, that is where our heart is. Where we spend our time, that is what is important in our life. And uh, one more verse here in Romans. Do you know the reality of it is that, you know, the worst thing that can happen to you in your life is that you are given over to your desires of your heart. Those things we long for, those things we hold to be most important, the worst thing is that we can actually get them. Romans 1, Paul says this, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. You see that? They were given over. This is what they wanted. This is what they desired. These were the idols in their life, and God gave them over those things, the desires of their heart. I'm convinced that's why the Royals haven't been in the playoffs for 29 years, and Iowa State's never good in football. God's sparing me that. He's not giving me over my desires. Here's the key. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. They exchanged the truth about God, that he is the ultimate thing, and they took other things, good things, and made them ultimate. Exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Idols in their life things they had served over the creator themselves. So what is important? Where do we spend our time? What are our treasures? That's what's important in your life. And you can convince me and I can convince you all day long that, oh yeah, you know what, following God, pursuing Jesus, pursuing his kingdom, my family, those are important. But if my time says otherwise and my treasures say otherwise, well, then it's just not true. Matthew 6, 6, 19 through 21 says this, and this is what I'm going to leave you with. Nick, you guys can come back up. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is your treasure? What is most important in your life? What do you hold on to? What captures your heart? What captures your imagination? Where do you spend your time? What are your treasures? Because that, that is what is ultimate in your life. That is what your idol is. That is what you serve. You look at the Ten Commandments and the first two. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Above all, love the Lord your God. You know what number two is? Don't make an idol. And the point and the reason there too is because so often we take other things in our life, even good things, and they become the God of our life. And the first two commandments, do not have any other God before your God. No other gods before me. Do not make an idol. They go hand in hand with one another. I want to leave you with one last story. There's a parable, and it's one verse, and it's Matthew 13, 44, and it says, there was a man, and a man walking through a field, and in the field, he sees this treasure, and he hides the treasure, 
And what he does, he goes, and everything he has, he sells. All his possessions, all his worldly possessions, he sells because he has found this great treasure. So he goes back and sells everything so he can buy the field and get this treasure. Our challenge for for me, encouragement to you, may we seek that treasure. May we go after that treasure. May all the things of this world which are, are fading, which rust will destroy, which moths will destroy, May we rid ourselves of those and and seek and pursue that one treasure that matters, that one treasure we would give anything for. May that be our response. May that be our challenge and encouragement, that we lay aside these these many idols that, that, that I have in my life and give them all up for the sake of pursuing him, for the sake of that that treasure, that treasure, that one treasure that is worth everything. Let's pray. God, uh, this, this message hits home for me because this is me, and I can speak to my heart on these things. God, that too often my time is consumed by things that simply don't matter. Too often I spend my money and my energy on treasures that rust and moths will destroy that I can't take with me. God, I I pray that you would take this heart of stone. God, that you would change my heart. Give me a new heart. God, that I I would seek and want that one treasure. You, you, more than anything. God, we, we pray this morning. God, as we remember this treasure, this treasure you've given us in your son, Jesus. That above all, Above all of these things, good things, we would pursue him, that we would go after him, that we'd be willing to lay aside all for him. God, change, change us. Help us to pursue this treasure. We ask it and pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. that these things are bad in and of themselves they're not but but it's like the story where jesus tells him you you gotta hate your family if you're going to follow me you gotta hate your family well it's not about hating our family is it but in relationship to how much we love him that's what it seems like and it's not that these things are bad but in relationship to how much we love and want to pursue jesus it looks like we hate him that's what it is about That's what it is to have Jesus as our treasure. That's what it is, to, to, like the the guy in the parable, to give up everything, everything, so he could buy that field with the treasure in it. That in comparison, all the things of this world that are fleeting and passing us by, dust and, and moth, and they're decaying, they pale in comparison to that treasure, Jesus himself. May we pursue him all that we are, with all our hearts and our minds and our souls. Let's pray. God, we thank you. 
God, may we pursue him, the greatest treasure, and everything in life, all these other things that, that aren't bad, but they would pale in comparison to our love and our devotion to your son, to that treasure that you've given us. We pray it and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.